0: Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane.
1: Hi, I'm Sonia Lorea. Hi, Sonia. How are oh, you? Well, the question is, how are you and where are you, Lacey? Well, you can
0: see <laughs> that I have a different background, right? So, Oh, yeah.
1: And you're I'm, wearing a tank top.
0: And I'm wearing well, a tank top. I'm wearing top. a sweater, so... There, we're definitely in different places, aren't we? <laughs> um, <laughs> I am in Guatemala, people. It is beautiful here. This is Quetzaltenango, um, wow. which is the second largest city in Guatemala. It's on the west side. And um, this is where I lived seven years ago. I was really happy. I loved it here. And um, here I am back just spending some time, you know, pasando el tiempo aquí por un ratito. Hey, look at that
1: Spanish. Well, that's so cool, Lacey. Tell me, tell our listeners, how'd you decide to go back to Guatemala?
0: Yeah, you know, it was an interesting situation. I kind of felt a shift of some sort coming. Um, I didn't know what that was really going to look like, but um, I just knew that I was okay with being away from Atlanta for a little bit. And I had been wanting to come down here, actually, since the end of Andrew Yang's presidential campaign just for vacation and just to see, you know, people that I know here, friends and just be back. And um, when I found out uh, recently that there was not a quarantine requirement, I thought, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I'll just go down and do what I'm doing here anyway and get Mm -hmm. warmer weather and beautiful scenery, volcanoes, mountains, and, you know, also just get an opportunity to just hit reset Um, because last year was, as we both, you know, have shared with our audience and each other, was a, Tough year, you know, so really nice to be away. I'm so happy. I'm really, really happy. Well,
1: I'm jealous, okay, along with everybody else who sees the warm sunshine and you just (laughs) hanging there out on a deck or something. That looks so cool. Yeah. um, You are living the dream of what we're talking about, rewinding, rethinking, everything, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's so true, I mean, I think it. I feel fortunate because I'm in a place right now where I can do this, but it really is because the, the pace of life for me right now here is very, very different. Um, this culture is very relational, which Sonia, I think, you know, a little bit about how mm-hmm. Latin culture works. Um, every day, like part of where I'm staying is a free breakfast. So they cook for me in the mornings. And, um, The ladies who work here, you know, I'm always talking with them in Spanish. And, I mean, it's like there's – I'm like today I walk to the street to go to the market to get vegetables and stuff to cook, which are very cheap, by the way. But, like, as you walk down the street, you just – people go, buenas tardes. And you say, buenas tardes. Like people greet you. You know, it's it's just so not the the same, like, competitive. Right. Move out of my way. I don't like Mm -hmm. you. Uh There there is a little bit of that tone in the States and here it's very Mm -hmm. different. And I
1: love that. It's definitely more community based, right? I mean, we're, you know, I was thinking today, well, what's been happening in my life and what I will share, which is Mm -hmm. such a contrast to what you're doing, Lacey, is that even though I am, I'm not employed in a traditional way, I do my own thing kind of entrepreneurial. I'm always busy. I hate using that word. there's always so much to do here like just the errands we have to run and like you said the rushing and then people get upset if in traffic and you just you know get back to your place and like oh now i can take a breath um it's just a really different lifestyle i think than what you're experiencing right
0: yeah and i mean i have full autonomy right now to do whatever i want whenever i want it of course we're working on the podcast we're working on growing it we're doing a lot of cool new things that we're excited about I'm working on some other digital stuff, so I have those that structure here that I'm, you know, working with. But, you know, I can do my quiet punch here, you know, in the door frame. I just put what? my quiet punch up. Did that today, which was awesome. Um, I can, you know, I actually am tanning here. Like I'll lay out in the sun, <laughs> you know. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm
1: healthy. Eating I healthy. eat healthy,
0: and it's cheap to eat. And there is something about. Uh, living a lifestyle where you don't have to spend a lot of money and where mm-hmm. you don't spend a lot of money. I think it's less stressful. It just, in right. general, it's less stressful. Right. So yeah, I feel like this is a little bit of a taste of what life would be like in the case of a basic income where right. we really were empowered to, to live in a way that we really want to mm-hmm. and be like the author, the real author of our own lives. You know, yeah, absolutely. it's so cool. There's, even though there's a pandemic, Going on. There are other travelers here, and there's um, someone that I knew who, uh, when I lived here before, who's here. And so it's so cool because, you know, like we were socially distanced having drinks the other night outside on a rooftop, and um, we're like speaking to each other in English and Spanish, and and there's a guy from Saudi Arabia there, and, you know, this guy's from Israel, and then there's Guatemalans. I mean, it's, it's just adventurous. And that's something that I think in American culture, it's very hard to find the spontaneity in mm-hmm. life. Everything's about like plan, plan, you know? Yeah. So, it's very much
1: we live more of a planned existence and it's harder to have those connections here. I agree with you. I
0: love the fact that you're doing this and you get to share it with our listeners. Yay, I'm so happy about it. Well, I hope you guys are uh, enjoying that and uh, me sharing and, um, I'm happy to do it. And so that's really, really cool. Um, as you know, uh, I ended up, I did end up getting my passport. It was a, a whole nother oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll do it. Me, maybe me and Victor can do a bonus episode of some of those details if people are interested. Um, yeah. One thing that's really cool um, that <laughs> I did today was I created an email address that people can email us if they want to share about awesome. what they think about the podcast or, you know, requests. And it's just the rethinking humanity podcast at gmail.com. So people can shoot us a message there and let us know what they're thinking, what they're liking, what they want to hear more of blah, blah, blah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hopefully people do that. I'd love to hear from everybody.
0: Yeah. And Sonia, do you want to tell everybody about um, what we're doing tomorrow uh, with the Yang Gang book club? Yeah, we are getting together with them
1: and our group. So it's you, myself, and Victor, and we're all reading uh, Blueprint. Tell me again the title. Blueprint for Revolution. Blueprint for Revolution. Sorry, everybody, because I'm just in the middle of reading it. It is an awesome book. Everybody needs to read it. It's an easy read, and we're going to be talking about that tomorrow, right?
0: Yeah, we are. And um, I think our our wonderful, awesome um, uh, technical producer will be with us tomorrow, too. And so that's going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. And we had the author of Blueprint for Revolution follow us on Twitter yesterday, I think it was. So we are thankful for that. Um, thank you. I'm not sure how to say your name. I think it's Serja, but I'm not sure. But thank All you right. for following us. That's super cool. Um, so, yeah, that's really cool. We'll do that tomorrow. We have to also tease April 3rd. So on your big stuff on gosh, April yes. 3rd. Everybody,
1: yes. everybody needs to tune in April third and tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers. Yes, it's going to be
0: amazing. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Cool. So, uh, like I told you, Sonya, I was doing my quiet punch this morning in this door frame, which is amazing, mm-hmm. um, guys. What's so cool about it is it has a account, a punch counter in, included, so I can yes. look on my app. And I can see how many punches I've oh, done. And I can neat. set goals on a daily basis for how many more punches I want to do. And, of course, it's getting healthy at the same time. And, um, Sonia, you tried the uh, the Quiet Punch the other day, right? I
1: want to tell everybody. So I kept trying to get to Lacey's. I did before she travels, of course. Yeah. And it was amazing, too, because it was easy. Number one, I thought, am I going to be able to do this? And it was fun. Mm-hmm. And I could feel myself getting, you know, doing a little mini workout there.
0: Yes, yes, your heart I know. rate gets up it's crazy fast. right
1: away. Like I was yeah. like, oh, this would be and it would be good if you have a tough day to just go boom boom. Yeah. Yeah, if you need to it, get
0: some anger out, damn, that's mm-hmm. a great way to do it. The cool thing is you can do like you can stop and do some squats, stop and do some lunges. It's it's really a great way to get a workout oh, in. So and I want to throw
1: something in there. I mean, it's your deal, but um yeah. I saw how mobile it was cuz I saw Lacey put it up. And I thought, well, if you were traveling, if you were, like, on the road
0: for work, I mean, you could take this with you everywhere, right? Yeah, and that's exactly what I did. I put it in my suitcase, and it's here (laughs) with me. So isn't that amazing? So, yeah, if if you're interested, guys, quietpunch.com, and the code for 10% off is Rethinking Humanity. And, um, of course, that gives us some support as well. So uh, check that out. Okay, are we ready to get into our… We are ready. We are ready. uh, I'm super excited. This is going to be a really, really well everything that Fromm writes. I love, but I think this oh, is gonna yeah. be a really good um, chapter. So we're still in chapter nine of To Have or To Be, and um, we are talking about the ways that we can shift to a being mode based society. And last time we were together, we were talking about um, the idea that Fromm had of a lower house.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: Sonia, I want to review that a little bit before we get into that. Um, so tell me a little bit more about what that is.
1: Well, it would be different than what we're all, I guess, used to in our traditional uh, world of politics. The lower house would be composed of actually people, you know, of individuals like you and I mm-hmm. that would be um, we would be exposed to hearing um experts and panels and learning about issues in a different way I think than we are we learn about things today where there's a lot of things out there that you don't really you're not able to t- completely comprehend because we don't have all the data and right. the time to learn. And so the lower house would be comprised of us as you know society that we would be divided obviously throughout the country into different districts mm-hmm. but um, it's an opportunity to have more of a voice. An educated yeah.
0: voice, yeah, and also for our um, our lawmakers to have a real clear idea of what the voice of the people are, mm-hmm. and and for the people to have an ente- and like an educated opportunity, educated like information, more information mm-hmm. about um, certain things, and then be able to use that information and collaborate mm-hmm. and share, and then pass that along to the actual house, the Congress. So I right. think it's a cool, it's a very, very cool idea. And the next uh, thing that From starts talking about is like, okay, well, why do we need to do this? Like, right. why do we need to make these elaborate plans for a lower house? Like, that seems like a lot of work. Why don't you just do an opinion poll? Right. And this, yeah. This
1: is, yeah. This is so interesting. Um, and it really feeds into my feelings about opinion polls. So mm-hmm. I'm sure we've all taken them, whether it's on the internet or maybe through the mail. And what Fromm talks about is an opinion poll doesn't really tell you very much. It's not nuanced enough. It's, it's very sort of a, I look at it as kind of a black and white questionnaire. Mm-hmm. And I don't think opinion polls represent what people really feel, where the lower house would allow us, as you said, it's a more of an educated uh, approach to learning about the issues. And mm-hmm. a lot of times if you've ever taken an opinion, you know how they'll ask you, well, would you do A or B? And then I wanna add like commentary to that or I have questions. So I don't think opinion polls can be very accurate. And I think From hits upon that in in his uh, in this chapter.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think also it's um, very nuanced the things that you ask people in opinion polls can be very nuanced. And so it's hard to get an idea. I think we were talking about this earlier, Sonia, of uh, the thought of like, okay, well, are you, do you think everybody needs to have access to healthcare? Mm -hmm. And people would say yes, but there's a big, or do you think we should raise our taxes? But there's a lot of, uh, you know, well, what would that look like? And where would they come from? And who would be paying this tax? And, you know, so it's kind of a really hard way to get um, a really good answer about something that is important. Like we need we need real information to, um, you know, make these decisions on. And right. per- these polls are not the best way to do yeah. that.
1: And I, I, I was sharing with Lacey that um, because We're here in, or I'm here in Georgia, and we just had this big Senate runoff. We had a lot of uh, advertising, political advertising, both in the mail and online and on TV. And this was really sort of based on just sending out these little messages, like you would get an ad where it shows it's real ominous with dark clouds and you know a mansion, like you're watching a scary movie. And so it doesn't tell you anything; it just says, you know, don't do this or do that. So it's kind of fear, it's definitely fear-based. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't allow one to really learn about what really how the issue that we're discussing, whatever that is, like Lacey's saying, healthcare, uh, education, taxes. I mean, we all have a lot of questions. And I think the way that we're going to get those questions answered is like what Frump's saying is having this lower house where you could actually learn about the issues more in depth. So when you're asked your opinion, you have a, an opinion that is coming from a place of knowledge, you know, not just mm-hmm. how you feel that day or the, you know, the advertisement
0: that you just watched. Right. You know, then, it, so, then it becomes you know, kind of
1: like theater, you know, like political theater.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. and he talks about that too, which I think is good. He's saying that the objection of, like, well, why don't we just do a, an opinion poll? touches upon one of the most problematic aspect, aspects of um, expressing an opinion, which is if you don't have the appropriate information, if you don't have time to reflect critically on the information, if you don't have time to discuss it and think about it, you really can't give. Very informed opinion, and so such opinions he says only constitute people's conscious ideas at a given moment and tell us nothing about the underlying trends that might lead to the opposite opinions if circumstances were to change. Kind of like we were saying, well, where's the who's being taxed if you're going to mm-hmm. introduce a, a higher tax it coming from? Mm-hmm. You know, the next part he says, in contrast, uninformed. Half hypnotized and powerless people cannot express serious convictions. Isn't that intense? God. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Like, ugh, that's kind of how we all live, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Without information, deliberation, the, the power to make one's decision effective, dramatically expressed opinion is hardly more than applause at a sports event. So basically he's comparing applause at a sports event to opinion polls.
1: Oh yeah, I know. I like that. Um, the things that stick out to me there is information and also like the power to make one's decision effective. Because I would say a lot of times, even if we have information, we feel like, well, does my voice count? So mm. I think he's hitting on something there.
0: Yeah, that,
1: Yeah, that makes uh Makes a lot of sense to me.
0: <laughs> for sure, and I mean, even as we mentioned previously, like the folks who are on juries, they they get all the information. They know that they're, what they have to say and decide impacts the lives of individuals. So right. they know that you know what they're going to do really makes a difference. I think that's a very important theme in general for human beings knowing that you, what you're doing makes a difference. It's like purpose, right. you know? I
1: think, yeah, I think in the jury situation, they feel like they're selected and they have a responsibility. So mm. they know they're there for a reason and a purpose, which, mm. um, which actually ties into From's thinking that he believes that we should decentralize, not have the central uh, bureaucratic uh, government that we actually do have. And he kind of gets into that in the next uh, section here.
0: Yes, which uh, this section I I think is really awesome. I agree with this. There's some ideas in here that I think um, I've observed in my time in education that like, hey, if we can just decentralize things, they'll they'll run a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think I really like this. Next section, there's one more section after that. this that's humanistic management, which we'll get to. But the decentralization and in industry and politics is what he touches on here. And he's saying, if everybody's gonna be active in political life and in industrial life, we have to decentralize. And he's saying that there's reasons for this. Part of the reason is um, that in a, in a society that's like this, that's very centralized um it it really becomes like a mega machine mm-hmm. people just lose their faculty they for critical thinking they feel powerless they just become hypnotized in a way and they become like sheep they're passive and they just want somebody to just tell them what to do and tell right.
1: them right right i really i thought that was good they long for a leader who knows what to do um mm-hmm. And the other interesting part of that Megamas machine is he said it runs itself. And so that's a little scary because it's just like on autopilot. And and he points out, like you said, that the people are sheep. They're just very, very passive. And I yeah. think that would give you some apathy as an individual knowing that you're not having any input, that it's just, there's this machine that's out there running. But I think we've all experienced that too. You brought up education when we've dealt with any form of bureaucracy. Um, That Mm -hmm. definitely is. I mean, I think he just hits us on some excellent points of what, Mm -hmm. like I said, we, we have experienced.
0: Yeah. And he compares it to driving like the automobile. Like Mm -hmm. I I have really thought about this before because I think growing up, I was just, taught like you have to be really good at driving you really have to learn how to drive and be good at it but in reality it really is actually not that hard <laughs> you know like it's just you really are on autopilot for the most part and so he he says it runs itself the person behind the wheel of the car only has to push the right buttons manages steering and braking um and then it just runs on its own and he says uh that's kind of how the mega machine is in bureaucracy and he's saying like i think this is brilliant too like why we have some not really so sharp people in politics oh, he's like, even right. a pe- person that's like half the like level of like high intelligence can easily like run the state <laughs> because it's all on autopilot anyway
1: right and i mean if you think about that you want the best and the brightest for instance, like you're saying behind the quote unquote wheel, you yeah. know? Um, so that, that hits me too. Yeah. A person of mediocre intelligence. Um, yeah. That he mm. definitely reminds me of what we've seen in our own political uh, lives, I guess, of the politicians that we've had to watch, you know, come through the ranks. So.
0: Yeah. Recently for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, the next section he talks about how it's better and, and what needs to happen is that the government functions not be given out to just the states, but on a very local level and a more communal level. He calls them yeah. relatively small districts. That he says, because in that way people can still know and judge each other and hence can actively participate in the administration of their own community affairs. I think, you know, this reminds me, we've talked a little bit about this on the podcast, but it reminds me a lot of like um, tribal living and communal living and what we've talked about as far as like people in those um, communal tribes, they, it's not like they could escape responsibility. Everybody was right there. That, that, That was, if you did something shitty, like everybody, and they're gonna hold you accountable. You know?
1: Right. Right. Yeah. The idea of the small districts is um, is awesome because, as he says, everyone can actively participate. And I think that's where he's getting into the humanistic part of how we should be running, because he does talk about he gets into the humanistic management, replacing mm-hmm. bureaucratic management, because right now we see human beings as things. yeah, And that's that's his theme here that I absolutely love that he discusses. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, you know, the bureaucracy and ending it and replacing it with the humanistic management. I think that's brilliant. Um, what, what is your thoughts whenever you hear like the idea of ending bureaucracy? What is, what kind of hits your mind?
1: Um, I think you and I've talked about this, you know, I discussed how I'll call, I don't know, it could be any sort of, uh, I guess I was going to say like a government office or any kind of administrative, I'm trying to think driver's license office, and you get this response, well, I can't do that because it's against the rules or the computer won't let me. So you don't feel like you're a person, you feel like you're just this thing and that the individual you're talking to is literally like, not seeing you as a human being. And, right. and from really touches upon that, which I absolutely agree with 100%. He, he gives a lot of excellent examples in here. Mm-hmm. Um, one that really hit me was of Eichmann. And for I'm sure people know who that is. But in the case they don't, it was the German high official in the SS. And so he talks about how Eichmann was an extreme example of a bureaucrat because he was just doing his duty when he sent the Jews to their death. And that's an extreme example. But he talks about day-to-day life, how when we're talking to people in these different positions in bureaucracy, they don't see us as human
0: beings. Yeah. They They see us as just, you know, a mm, thing. They see us as a number, you know, like rather than you know, once they mm-hmm. can see us as numbers, then they don't have to see us as human beings anymore. And they feel like as long as they're following the rules and and mm-hmm. treating us as the number that we are, that we appear as in the bureaucratic system, then they're doing a good job and they're doing fine. And, and then they, instead of like actually responding to the living beings who are right in front of them who have issues and who have needs and who, need them to respond in a certain way, but they're like, nah, I'll just, you know, hide behind the rules that, I mean, that's what he he says in here. bureaucrats fear personal responsibility and seek refuge behind their rules. Right. And it says their
1: security lies in loyalty to the rules, not to the human heart. And you know, I can't read this without thinking of present day in 2021. Mm. I think we have seen a lot of examples of people mm. hiding behind rules and mm. hiding behind whether it's a specific uh, partisan issue or I have to do what, quote unquote, my boss tells me or it's so scary that that's, mm. kind of, that's how I see it today, that we, we've seen examples uh, of that
0: presently. For sure. And I mean, you know, that reminds me of, of school. Like we've been literally trained since we were kids from childhood to follow the rules. (laughs) That's what you're supposed to do. I mean, no wonder people don't really know who they really are or what they really want to do with their lives or, you know what I'm saying? Like what they really enjoy or what they, they might be good at because we haven't been taught to like explore those things. Really. We've just been taught to like go to work you know, go to school, get a job, go to work, go home, get a dog, have some kids, buy a <laughs> house <laughs> and take and be stressed out about it. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I'm not saying if that's what you really want to do, then that's a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, we're just on autopilot with all of this. Right. And-, and I
1: wonder how this affects people also their day to day lives, not if you have to let go of like your empathy and compassion because also the point that um, from makes here that is really uh, resonates with me is examples like somebody goes to the hospital and they're Mm. turned away because the rules are, we can't let you in say you don't have insurance or say you don't meet the qualifications. I mean, that's, that is uh, against humanity, basically, that we're following a system that doesn't see people as human. I would say it's the same thing even with immigration, where um, mm. as we know there were a lot of issues with the border with parents being separated from their children because fo- the people that work there are following the rules. I mean, there's but so right. many, we have so many day-to-day examples that um, it's just kind of appalling really. And mm. I think that, that's what I love about From. He just, he says this like it is. I mean, it's, it's lack of a human response and it's worshiping these rules. Yeah. And and like you said earlier human beings are reduced to a number and then you know don't feel any bond it's I mean, it's kind of like you're it's an inanimate object we're objectifying like the relationships we have with others. Mm. If we're able to make these decisions that are so um they're so callous, you know, mm. and and not thinking that this is another human being in front of me.
0: Yeah. You know, I think there's, if there's something I hate um, as much, um, if there's something I hate as much as I hate homelessness, homelessness, it's bureaucracy because it is so detached from humanity from, you know, it's so inhumane because it says, yeah, you're a human being, you're standing in front of me and your need is different, but, this is how things have to be. And it doesn't matter. That is, we, oh, how the bureaucracy, bureaucracy only serves a percentage of the population. And you might be able to guess which percentage <laughs> so, I was yeah. going to say, it doesn't serve anybody, but that's not true. It, I it, know.
1: Yeah, I agree. And there's like, it's a judgment you're making towards individuals. Um, when, you know, you bring up the homeless. I mean, we don't know the story behind, each person's uh, path, how that individual got to where he or she is. And so as a society, we're saying the, your humanity is irrelevant to us because to your point earlier, it's really like how much you've achieved or how much money you have or what's your status. So that right. um, that's uh, obviously not where we want to be.
0: No, no. You know what else is cool? I really like this. Um, this part, I want to read it because it's so hard to, to not read his stuff. <laughs> the way he says things is so good, but um, he says, and most people are unaware of how deadening the bureaucratic spirit is and how it pervades all spheres of life. Listen to this, even where it seems to not be obvious as in physician patient, which Hey, Kay, we, we kind of talked about that in the last episode with, Andrew Phillip, right? And mm-hmm. then this part, husband and wife relationships. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Dude, dude. <laughs> the bureaucratic no. method can be defined as one that administers human beings as if they were things, which you mentioned earlier. And then I like this administers things in the quantitative mm-hmm. rather than qualitative. qualitative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, he says, in order to make quantification and control easier and cheaper. Hello, it's all about control, and it's all about money, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm. For sure.
1: Um, You know, we were talking about the, well, he talks about bureaucratic allegiance to a thing, and Mm -hmm. I said the system, I like the way he uses the system, and then he says, because I know we've discussed, like, the fact of big business and how we're kind of in the capitalist system, we're beholden to the big business, he says the corporation is their home and its rules are sacred, mm. which is really, wow, that's a big statement because the rules are rational. That's that's what he said. And so I think people kind of hide behind that, right? Mm-hmm. They'll say that th- they can say it's the system or they can mm-hmm. say I'm obeying these rules. And it's kind of a way to condone your not doing the right thing because yeah. you can blame it on this this nebulous
0: Mm. bureaucratic
1: system that from talks about um it's
0: interesting yeah very good my responsibility too like Mm -hmm. it's an excuse to not all of us to not go okay this is shit and it's not good for people it's not good for me it's not good for you let's make a change it's like yeah well i'm just doing my job you know and I, i mean i get it like it's not easy to, to make these changes and, um, you know, to do these things. But, but yeah, like I can actually absolutely see how it's, it's, it's taking yourself out of the actual situation, you know? Right. And
1: yeah, he, he points out, which we talked about earlier with the district, but he talks, talks about you can't have participatory democracy within this bureaucratic system. So it's like, you have to dismantle that bureaucratic system. To mm. have the participatory democracy that we were talking about, you know, where individuals have a voice mm-hmm. with, you know, with the lower house, with the districts. So he actually, you know, from doesn't just bring up the issue, gives you actually solutions to these problems.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that lower house idea, too. It's such a great idea.
1: Hmm. And I think, you know, everybody, this is what I love, everybody's experiences. he talks about large organizations like welfare departments, hospitals, prisons. I mean, the list is kind of endless. I, I'm, anyone who's, I guess, alive today has dealt with bureaucracy and, and sort of the um, incompetency of it. I think I've talked to you about this, where you go to one department and they say, oh, you have to talk to this department and that department. And there's this whole hierarchy that really makes no sense because right. somehow this whole system was developed. And it just, it shows that we're not, you know, I guess thinking in my mind, how we can do it better to your point, maybe of school systems.
0: Yeah. You know what it also makes me think of, I wonder if you remember a time, you know, in your life, cause I definitely do when, you know, for you, it was like, whatever the corporation wants of me, I'll do it because i just was living in this world and i just i know how it feels to do it it's oh to go
1: along with the system
0: yeah to just be like Um, yeah yeah,
1: i would say well i mean you probably have your own you brought up the school um example which i'd love to hear in my case because i did work for a company for many years um i would say what happens is if you go against the grain or you sort of question things, and here's the part where it's really unfortunate for most people is you could lose your job, and so now you don't have income, and now you don't, you know, you lose your health care, and if you're supporting a family, I mean, even yourself, it really yeah. puts you in a bad position because it's you against the whole system um, of the environment that you're working in. So that's it's very challenging.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, I think the school um, example might be really good um, to illustrate this whole like breaking it up and getting away from the, you know, centralized everything. Um, I think the best example I can and say is like typically how like the public school system works is it's all county run. Mm-hmm. And I remember working whenever I was working in Charlotte thinking about the where I was, the school I was working in and the needs that it had and some schools that I had worked in previously and the different neighborhood that it was in and the different needs that it had. And I was like, you know what, why don't they, this is so funny because it reminds me of basic income a little bit, but I was just thinking, man, if if the school system gave, if like, if the school system just gave the principal of each school a certain amount of money and it doesn't have to be the same as every other school Mm -hmm. because every school is different. So every school is going to have different needs. And so every school's going to need, it's like you don't, yeah, every, every school's going to have different needs. And and so we just give them what they need when we know that they have a plan of that to do with the money. That's good. Mm -hmm. So like maybe certain schools are, you know, inner city schools and those kids are not, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're not being very well taken care of at home. Maybe it would be great if you had showers in your school. Mm -hmm. I have literally thought this through and I'm like, okay, so why couldn't a certain school get just like have the authority to say, we're going to do things like this, this, and this, we want to put money into this program. We send food home with the kids every day that we know aren't like having, having food at home you know, they get showers, they get, well, I don't know. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And like building each school based on what the actual people in the school and in the community and the teachers and the families and the leaders of that school think that they need, not based on what somebody way outside, like way over there thinks needs to happen.
1: Well, when you started talking and I knew right away kind of where you're going, the first thing that popped in my head was autonomy um, because there's a power thing going on here, too. When you give this power, like you're saying, like, hey, you guys decide what you're going to do with this money. And this is how much money. Maybe it's different for each Uh, school's school. Then obviously, then there's somebody there's some hierarchy there, right, Mm. that they don't. that a lot of times the the centralized system is already in place. So now you have to dismantle that. Like right. what you're saying is awesome. The key is getting everybody on board for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no, I mean, I've been a big fan. I, I, I believe actually, you know what uh, the year that Donald Trump and Hillary ran against each other, yeah. I voted third party uh, because that was actually one of the ideas that this, the person who ever ran third party said, say, yeah. was like, he was talking about how like important it was to do, uh, schools and education and localize it more. And I'm like, yes, yes, we need that. I mean, I spent what, six, seven years of my life teaching in that world. So I was, that was very motivational to me, but it turns out that we need that on more than just a school, you know, educational level. We've talked about this before, we need that, we need that in in all spheres. We're like suffering when it comes to the community element um, in, in the United States of America. We need that, we need more of it.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah hmm cool uh what anything else that struck you from this section and this is such a good chapter my goodness
1: um I'm looking yeah it's the whole thing is is good like you said you could read all these paragraphs from from, I just feel that um yeah I love the part like you said the administers things in quantitative versus qualitative he also says that Um, If you're in this uh, bureaucratic management, you're governed by statistical data, which I thought was Mm. really interesting because he said that um, bureaucrats base their decision on fixed rules arrived at from statistical data rather than on response to the living beings who stand before them. They decide issues according to what is statistically most likely to be the case at the risk of hurting the five or 10 percent of those who do not fit into that pattern. So I thought that was Mm. pretty interesting because that I think yeah. is how people typically that are following these rules will say, well, they'll use this data, but that data should not be used against people. Cause you could be that in that five to 10% that you're right. not fitting into the pattern of who they're going to help. For example, I think that it's just so excellent. Another excellent point
0: that he brings yeah. up. And I'm sure they get some of that data from, holes, <laughs> which we talked about how inaccurate they can be. So, um, you know, it's not, I'm not saying data isn't good, um, sometimes, but I think it's, you know, we want it, we want it, it needs to be accurate and it doesn't need to be more important than a living being's experience. Um, like, like he refers to.
1: I mean, if you heard, for example, well, we saved 80% of those people, you know, that are whatever crossing the border. I'm just using that as an example. Well, what happened to the other 20%, you know, like how do you, how do you make that okay? I think there's cases that he's bringing up that you don't use that, not when you're talking about people,
0: you know, Mm -hmm. we're not
1: talking about pieces of paper,
0: Right. you know, we're not
1: talking about things. We're talking Mm -hmm. about human beings.
0: Thus, his his whole thing. Mm-hmm. We've made we've made man into a thing, and we manage bureaucracy manages human beings. He's saying as things, it's true. Yeah, mm. and he says this too. I think this is very interesting. Uh, the bureaucratic spirit is incompatible. This is actually really big. The bureaucratic spirit is incompatible with the spirit of active participation by the individual. Mm-hmm. bureaucracy is not going to lead us to a place where we're all actively participating. No, it's not.
1: No, that, that, that I love too. Yeah. That's, it's very true. And so there's a lot of um, good stuff here. Yeah. A lot of work we have to do to, to move towards more of a humanistic society. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then this, um this will be our last thing, but I, Wanted to read this too. He says, the new social scientists, I love that. The new social scientists must devise plans for new forms of non-bureaucratic, large-scale administration that is directed by response, that reflects responsibility, response to people or responsibility to people and situations rather than by mere application of rules. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what we need. We need groups of people who are responsible to people and situations and they don't weigh the rules like nearly, like nearly as highly Uh right now. And he he says, hey, this is possible. It doesn't sound like it. When you first when I first read that, I was like, whoa, is that possible? It is. That's why we need our brightest minds working towards this stuff the new social scientists we need yes. them to be working towards it and uh you know we it's possible it's just when are when is it going to become a priority that whenever it can happen that's
1: that's the question yeah mm-hmm. and he will go on later that we'll discuss on some ideas which are really exciting
0: yeah for sure and you know what Sonia, I'm very excited about our next episode. Guess what we're going to get to talk about? <laughs> From is going to mention basic income. Yeah, yeah. Ah, so that's going to be cool. That'll be episode 17. Wow. Uh, so that's really, really cool. And, yeah, we're still doing the um, buymeacoffee.com. So if you haven't bought Victor a coffee yet, <laughs> don't forget to do that. And I'm in Guatemala, so I'm, like, definitely want to go buy a coffee because <laughs> it's, like, some of the best coffee. So, And, of course, Sonia. Sonia's just the bomb, and so she definitely <laughs> needs coffee. Sonia needs coffee because she probably misses me, right, Sonia?
1: <laughs> yes, I know, but I'm – envious you get to be there i see that you have like a jacket so it's a little cooler isn't it at night you said night
0: yeah at night it gets cold right now but uh like march april it gets warmer in the in the night but today it was 70 and it was sunny and the home team um played in the quarterfinals or the semifinals. Of uh, the soccer, and uh, sadly, they lost. Shayla oh, U. I
1: was gonna say, did they win? <laughs>
0: no, but it was cool because I was walking through Parque Central and uh, there was like this parade of cars. Like every single car had a Sheila who flag. Everybody's oh. wearing, wearing their jerseys. It was cool. It was really cool. But um, that's awesome. Yeah, it's really fun. I might, uh, we may do an episode, a couple episodes coming up and share a little more for with sure. you about my, yeah,
1: definitely, um, we need
0: to do yeah. that for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I actually did my quiet punch, man. I told you about it. So, um, it was good. I'm going to keep doing that. Hopefully I'm going to lose some weight <laughs> while I'm down here. Well, so, yeah, a lot, So
1: a lot of walking there, right?
0: Yes. Lots of walking is very walkable. So I'll, um, I'll post some more pictures, but guys, if you want a quiet punch, check it out. quietpunch.com. the code at checkout rethinking humanity. It gives you 10% off and it helps us. How do we lose? We can't lose on that, you know? Yay. (laughs) All right. So, uh, Sonia final parting words
1: um just keep an eye on rethinking humanity and all of our adventures and Lacey in guatemala <laughs>
0: yes yes We're, we appreciate it, you guys um thank you for listening and um of course it won't be long and you'll be hearing from us again